This is Advanced Listening. The podcast that was on the grassy knoll. The podcast that removed its lower ribs. The podcast that knew who Tyler Durden was the whole time. With your hosts, Nooch and Orion. Seriously? Seriously, bro? Like, what? we haven't even started yet? You're taking bong rips already, dude? Well, I didn't, what? Well, I didn't know. I mean, <laughs> I didn't think you were going <laughs> to jump all over my shit about it. I mean, it's... I'm not jumping all over your shit. I'm just saying, man. Just like a sousant of professionalism Michael. Oh, long oh, 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 excuse me. I didn't know that... Oh, yeah? What? Let's what? do nothing. You just jumped on my shit about being professional. <laughs> you had a bong loaded up sitting right next to you. Dude, my bong rip wasn't first thing as soon as we started, though. Oh, I'm sorry. We were 15 seconds in. Yeah, exactly. They had time to get used to the fact that I was going to take a bong rip. God, I hate you. <laughs> no, you don't. You fucking love me. Hey, when speaking of love, I love what we're talking about today. Speaking of hate, most people are gonna hate what we're talking about today. Hey, do you want to do you want to get the disclaimer out of the way? Do you you want to jump in there? Or I'll, you want me to jump in there or what? I'll, I could do the disclaimer. I just feel like it would become a little less. No, oh, what's the word? I think it's a a little less ridiculous coming from you than me. All right, all right, check this out. <laughs> me so... disclaiming people about the obnoxiousness of me seems redundant. All right, I'm gonna cash this bowl and then we're gonna do it. <laughs> Okay, so we here at Advanced Listening, like, we we support all different stems of faith and beliefs or whatever, but uh, if you are easily offended by uh, religious topics or anything like that, you may want to bow out today because we are discussing Marilyn Manson. And while we will do our <coughs> very best to keep our own personal opinions aside, um, it would be ridiculous to deny uh, a strong cornerstone of Marilyn Manson's content, and I refuse to leave that alone. So if you are offended by uh, atheistic topics, you might just want to go ahead and hit the stop button. Other than that, should be good. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I grew up Catholic, secret time. I, I do not like the Catholic Church. Um, but it is a personal issue because, again, I grew up in that church. You know what I mean? And so, look, I, I have really strong opinions about religion, specifically man-made religions, but I will keep that out. And what I what I will try and do is merely give you my perspective from my point of view as it relates to my experience in the Catholic Church. Right. So if I start getting on religion and you don't like what I have to say, just try and understand that I'm talking about it from a very personal perspective. Because honestly, at the end of the day, neither one of us give two shits if we offend any of you, but we would like to acknowledge that we do respect where, where everybody's <laughs> coming from. You know what I mean? So I like, don't respect them. I don't respect them. They you stink. You don't understand. 
these motherfuckers are still watching with bar. Hey, hey, you're not fully clean unless you're zest fully clean. Get off it, all right? Mm, I don't know about all that. I, 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 I personally use a strong regimen of several organic uh, hemp-based products to clean and maintain my cleanliness. And as a person who takes a shower probably about three times a day, I, uh, believe me when I tell you, you are all very, very nice. So, our adoring listeners that weren't being talked about just now as somebody else, um, I was talking about... Oh, God, I hate you. Alright, so in the 90s... No, you don't. In the 90s, dude, this dude... This dude was a catalyst. You we, last week we talked a little bit about shock rock, right? Yeah, which is why we're, we're we, we circled around to Manson today because he is the king of quote shock rock. But I I maintain that man, outside of a handful of really campy acts, it's more performance art than it is quote shock rock. I think shock rock is a label that gets used to denigrate bands that are. And, and artists that are fucking weirdos, man. Well, see, you know what I think a lot of it had to do with? In in the 90s, especially after this stuff came out, their first studio album, which for those that don't know, it, it, it's not always been just Marilyn Manson. It's Marilyn Manson and the Spooky Kids, right? And That is correct, the- sir. You're talking about Portrait of an American Family Smells Like Children's Time. Yes, and that we're talking anti-crisis yes our first we'll, we'll, we'll jump in with portrait of an american family and uh and the following album which was smells like children and they were a year apart 94 95 now if you guys don't <laughs> fully understand how fired up parents were about video games and music in the early 90s you should do your fucking research parents in the early 90s were doing everything I mean, to blame their kids behavior on on music right in on anything other than their own parenting. Anything that you can blame your fucking child, child's behavior on, other than looking in the fucking mirror and recognizing the fact that you're a shitty fucking parent. Maybe, maybe that's why your kid is wearing black makeup and a fucking leather trench coat, playing Grand Theft Auto, listening to Marilyn Manson and Eminem. Well, see, I think that Marilyn Manson... Not that I have strong feelings about that shit. <laughs> I think Manson used those fucking feelings as a catalyst. You know what I mean? It was it was all of look. If you are a boomer listening to this and you were pissed off in the early nineties, Marilyn Manson would like to thank you because that was fucking that was ass. fuel on his fire. And I believe that really early, early Manson, like these first two albums, a lot of it was honestly made to piss you off. Right, look, you, you've got you, you to look at the guy's actions. The guy's going on middle America talk shows like Donahue and Oprah with the intent of poking the, the middle American bear. You know what I mean? He did not dispel any of the rumors about him in the way that like Jimmy Cage just kind of let all the dark mystical magic rumors about him remain. You know what I mean? He didn't dispel them at all. He didn't do anything to dissuade them. All he did was, go ahead, talk shit. Talk shit. You're only making the the legend of Led Zeppelin bigger. Manson did the same fucking thing. He took a page out of Jimmy Page's playbook. He let everybody continuously spread countless rumors. You remember the rumor that he was the best friend from the Wonder Years? Yeah. 
You remember the room? I mean, there were so many rumors about Marilyn Manson that were all nonsense back in the 90s. But he didn't do anything to stop them because all they did was grow the legend of Marilyn Manson. And going on shows like Donahue and Oprah and poking the middle American bear helped fuel this, like, hatred towards him. Yeah. Which helped fuel the popularity of his band. Exactly. And he even played off of a lot of that. Like, a lot of people think, now I've read, and I hate to admit that I haven't finished it. It, it kind of makes me sad. But I've read three quarters of his uh, autobiography, A Long Hard Road Out of Hell. Right? Right. Um, his past is not as demented as people like to think it is. And what's... Wasn't he like a suburbanite kid from Florida? I don't, goddamn, I wish I could remember the city. I don't remember the city, but yeah, he's basically a suburb kid. And he grew up going to a Catholic school. And it's because of that that he has such a resentment towards Catholicism, right? Like, right. he is, he's, a lot of people think that he worships this or that. Like, the dude's pretty much just a devout atheist, right? But he's got, he's one of those, he's one of those people that puts his story on paper, right? And, if you well he, go ahead he he definitely look he definitely made his mark like okay if you know manson and if you're a big fan of, of early manson you probably know portrait and smells like children but if you're in the mainstream right the only thing you know of those first two albums is the sweet dreams cover antichrist superstar his third album or their third album that's the album that's where Marilyn Manson learns to be Marilyn Manson and they become the band that everybody loves to hate. You know what I mean? You I agree. Mr. Superstar and, and uh, uh, 1996, Minute of Decay. Wait. Minute of Decay is a fucking monster before song. before you get before we gloss over these albums you i i agree that yes the third album is really it's about the time that it's almost like he was done just pissing people off and he found their his niche right the band found what they were which was truly emotional dark music but before before you leave the yeah. acknowledge the roots right whenever whenever manson was feeding off the hate of of America, right? Uh, that's we're, we're talking smells like children. Some of the names of these songs were, were literally just made to fuck with you. Like the opening track of smells like children is the hands of small children, right? Followed by right. diary of a dope. Right. And, and or, or there's a track on, on smells like children called fuck. Frankie. Frankie. Yeah. Everlasting. Dude, that's everlasting cocksucker. Dude, that's actually, but I was, uh, I'm sorry, I just got a phone call. I don't know if you heard that or not. Um, but there's a song. We can pretend it's like not even a song. It's just a track called Fuck Frankie, where it's literally the, just the soundtrack of somebody fucking, and, and somebody just keeps saying, Fuck Frankie. <laughs> and, and it's, it's Fuck literally Frankie. put there to make you upset. Or, um, but, but not. Right. If you're, a, if you're a middle American parent and you see a song called Sympathy for the Parents, I mean, he's going after you, specifically you, you, dummy, you, you are the target. And then I would be amiss if I didn't at least admit the dark poetry that those albums contain, uh, like Cake and Sodomy. Cake right? and Sodomy. Like, I don't know. We, we can, there's, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a white trash 
white trash that that like weird country hillbilly song on the yeah. album white trash looking for just a little bit of but it, look my point being is that it, it when he gets to antichrist superstar it's more than just an evolution of his music he evolves in knowing how to play on the hate that people give him songs like worm boy and the man that you fear are direct reflections of him playing with the way that people feel about him you know what i mean like i it, none of those are my my look when you get to antichrist dried up tied up dead to the world and tourniquet are yeah. my See now, now I have to acknowledge. Whenever this happened, this is 1996, people. All right, in 1996, I, I, man, I this the it's hard to explain, man. So many emotions and in, in, in teen angst. You all right? Yeah, that's right in the height of my teen angsty years. Is 96. I'm a. Uh, I'm 15 in 1996. I'm angry and pissed off at the universe, and I'm finally, finally kind of figuring out how full of shit the adults are around me. And see, and that's whenever I feel that, for me, like you're, like 98 was big for me, which was Mechanical Animals. These two albums, Antichrist yeah. Superstar and Mechanical Animals, it's, it's, listen, if you are the kind of person that gets emotionally affected by music, it's really hard to listen to a lot of Manson because if you have ever, yeah, if you have ever in your life experienced any fucking darkness at all, it doesn't really matter if you've dealt with it or not. The, the way me and Orion we were talking, we were going to record this episode yesterday, but I listened. I was going to ask you if you wanted to share what happened. Yeah, I, I'm going to jump into that. Yeah, we were going to record this episode yesterday, but I woke up at like 530 in the morning, drank a cup of coffee, rolled a blunt and started listening to Marilyn Manson. And I listened to Manson until Orion woke up at around 930, 10 o'clock. And granted, he's an hour ahead of me. I'm not sleeping until 10. I'm not a scumbag. I woke up. It was like. 8.30 my time. It's like 9.30 my time. Yeah, you're right. There's a, there's an hour difference. But, but Plus, my wife is off. She can't work because, you know, people are afraid of the Bud Light's disease. I mean, not the Bud Light's disease. The, the Coors, Coors disease. disease. Coors disease. Yeah. That's it. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Sorry. Um, by the time Orion was ready to record, I was in this really weird, fragile, emotional state, and I, I just couldn't do it. I was just like, bro, I'm sorry, but like, I got to turn some Manson off. I got to play some video games and get my mind off of every dark. Part of you, ever went, done. Uh, you went, you went robot on. I, it was, it was, it was rough, man. It was, uh, he went. He went robot on us. It, it, basically, what happened was is he, he got he put himself in a really, really heavy emotional state. And, you know, had to take the remainder of the day to just kind of get out of that fucking. Space. I did, and he, and that's the kind of thing that Marilyn Manson does. He it is it is dark and ugly and goddamn beautiful and haunting, and it is something that if you're if your emotional state can be manipulated by the music you listen into, like me, like uh, angry music makes me feel less angry. You know what I mean? But sad and depressive music can put a fucking uh, dark cloud over you, man. And, and look, when you're talking about mechanical animals, 
you're talking about disassociative, which might be one of my favorite Marilyn Manson songs. It is incredibly depressing. Or, or Great Big White World, man. Great, I mean, oh, and, yeah. and you know what's weird is for me, and don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's other artists out there. Speed of pain. There, I want to disappear. Sure, fundamentally loads. I'm sure there's other artists out here that do this, but like what he does is the music isn't necessarily that it's depressing. It's that it will, it'll, it'll, it'll make these emotions surface up. And instead of this music being therapeutic, it kind of it holds your hand in the darkness. You you get to wade through the darkness with the stuff. And I'm not saying that listening to it will make you depressed. I'm just saying that it possesses powerful emotions. And sometimes time those emotions are a little dark. And it's it's incredible. I I give him such credit for being for conveying emotion. You know what I mean? Right. When you get to the next album, though, Hollywood, Hollywood was the album for me that, like, I was in a black place, right? But I, it was, it wasn't about teenage angst. Hollywood, Hollywood just made me feel less alone in my blackened depression state. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, this, what is Hollywood comes out in what, two thousand, yeah. right? Yeah, two thousand, and. It, 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 I probably didn't get a hold of it till late 2000, and uh, I just remember, you know, being in a really, really, really mm. depressive state. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And this this album isn't necessarily positive in any way, shape, or form, but it's got it. It just made me feel less alone in my blackness. You know what I mean? The nobody, the nobody, and fucking would, the, the death song in the shadow of the valley of death. Target audience. I was really hoping that you would bring up coma, the, coma black. God damn, coma black is a. Beast. I was really hoping you would bring up the nobodies because that that song is just lyrically. See, the thing is about Manson is he's always been more into lyrics and and conveying his tone than he is to uh like high level intricate music now his music though does have a lot of layers to it and the layers are fucking dark and ominous or they're fucking rampagey fucking angry look i love his fucking rage songs right and there are a few of them out there but like i really love his uh the the fight song man um disposable right. teens like whenever he yeah there are some angry there's some angry music on this album but there is some slow burning depressive lyrically driven masterpieces on hollywood and there are there is there's some songs that i wanted to bring up that i actually i forgot which there's a song somewhere, I think it's called Starfucker, right? Starfucker is a Nine Inch Nails song. Okay, yep, my bad. Hold on. Where is it? No, no, it's the one where it's just a lady. It's just a lady saying all these different reasons why she'll fuck you, right? And then the chorus is him right. saying, uh, fuck you for loving me. Fuck me for loving you too. Or shit, I don't know. What is... Uh, I know, I I know the song you're talking about. I don't think it's on Hollywood though. It, 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 it I know it's not on the next album. He, listen, for me personally, Manson, Manson had this 
four album uh, 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 sweet spot right in the, uh, in the mid 90s starting with smells like children because I don't really or excuse me yeah smells like children because I don't really like portrait right but smells like children to antichrist mechanical animal and Hollywood those four albums are monsters the, his next album for me starts about a three album blah, phase in his career well you, you uh, know it's funny about what was going on golden age of the grotesque eat me drink me and the high end of low are just so fucking it, so check this out there's there's a story behind that though and in you know we we talk about how tragedy and heartache can create some of the best music right so check this right. out. About the time Golden Age of Grotesque drops, Marilyn Manson has been diddling this super macabre burlesque dancer. Uh, honestly, her name escapes me right now. Uh, but it, her name is not important. Whenever it comes to the like burlesque modeling world, this bitch is like the top of the game, right? And so they right. they hook up at about this time. And then Golden Age of Grotesque drops in 03. Now, between 03 and 07, they have one of the worst unhealthy fucking relationships ever. Like, it's bad. And she divorces his ass in 07, and then that's when Eat Me, Drink Me fucking comes out. So, basically, Golden Age of Grotesque is him not really focusing on his work, which is why the whole album sounds so fucking lazy, is because he was busy. Right, and then right. drink me is literally right as this fucking divorce is happening, right? And he hasn't. And it, when you right. say that that heartache develops uh, good music, you have to be able to process the heartache. Not when you're in the middle of the fucking heartache, right? Like this dude is just laying around eating Twinkies, fucking. Food. You have to clean out the wound before the wound can heal. And part of the the really the really great part of like music that inspire inspired by pain is that it, it's it's part of the healing process yeah. if the wound is still open and you're cleaning it hard to you know hard to fucking uh, uh be objective in that moment because you're in so now pain. you know what i mean it's the healing process from the pain that's where i think where the the, the great art there are from. a couple fucking songs on these two albums that weren't bad like because he is still a good songwriter uh what? It, it, wait, what? wait 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 what? wait wait on eat me drink me i only want to point out two that's it okay. opening track if i was your vampire wasn't bad not bad song dude. that is a, all right yes that is okay and then song. and then i never thought i would say this but whenever i was binging and i was being all emotional and shit the song that tipped it over was on this album and it's called just a car crash away and yes, but that's 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 powerful to you because you you've been in a a good accident or a serious accident. It's a it's it, there's a couple there's a couple I don't want to call them bangers, but it's not a total waste of time. But the album is lazy. It's like he was phoning it in. It's like he didn't give two shits, and he didn't. My my point about those two albums, and also it also high end of low the next album. I, the best songs on those albums, if you put them on Antichrist, Mechanical Animal, they would have been the worst songs on that album. Well, 
I think the title track of uh, Golden Age of the Grotesque is probably the best song on that album. And it would be the song you would skip every fucking time if it was on Antichrist. There are better versions of that song on Antichrist Superstar. It, it, it's Golden Age, especially for me, feels like Marilyn Manson ha- becoming a parody of himself. See, and I, I agree with you. I do. But I feel like, once again, I feel like there were signs of hope. And Hind of Low is one of my least favorite albums I've ever fucking heard. And and I'm with you. Eat Me, Drink Me, Hind of Low, Golden Age. This is about the time I kind of gave up on Manson. I was like, dude, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm kind of done, like, checking in. You know? Yeah. There are... Yeah, there me are too. a couple. There's really two songs, once again, on High End of Low that were like this uh, this glimmer of hope. One of them is called Four Rusted Horses. That song is fucking sick. That is a that's a fucking okay. banger. I love that song. And then it's followed up by uh, it, it feels like old school Manson almost like like fucking almost something you'd hear on Hollywood. And it's called Arm of Goddamn Motherfucking Geddon. And Arm of Goddamn Motherfucking yeah. Geddon. What a good, that's a, I want that. I know, and it's, it's felt like old Manson. So I was like, okay, maybe there's something, (laughs) maybe there's something happening here. Maybe there's something here. What I do want to do is I really like, okay, so there's that chunk in the middle where, where I'm just very much, eh, now, now the last three albums, Born Villain, Pale Emperor, Heaven Upside Down. Especially the last two albums, Heaven Upside Down and The Pale Emperor. Incredible. Marilyn Manson has gotten into this into this zone where he is rediscovered himself in kind of a new way. I think all three of these albums are really funky, bluesy, grungy, hauntingly, beautifully, disgustingly, horribly awful. It's like it's like it's like fucking in a dumpster. Like, but the best bang you've ever had in your life. Yeah, it's it's nasty, but like, it's awesome. And I think The Pale Emperor is probably, might be my favorite uh, album since, I, it was it was the one that brought me back to Marilyn Manson. Pale Emperor, for me, almost cover to fucking cover. And and I like it because like the cover art, Dude, the cover art speaks volumes. I feel like he's not struggling from a divorce and he's not just trying to piss off fucking parents anymore like he had his no. place as like the god of goth rock and i feel that that is exactly what he is is the pale emperor it it has this pale emperor has this blues metal feel to it in a with with a goth tinge it has some songs on it that are just they like if you twanged them up just a little bit they'd be fucking southern blues like a motherfucker like killing strangers is a is a monster, right? But you look at like worship my wreck, devil beneath my feet, Cupid carries a gun, Mephistopheles of Los Angeles. I mean, day three, faded, faithful, fatal. These all these songs have this really grungy, bluesy, um, dark, gothic feel to them, right? And they're not like you said. It's not like early Manson where he's trying to piss people off. He is really kind of rediscovering himself in a new way and it's really hard for bands that have put themselves in a very specific category like metallica trying to do the blues got a big middle finger from everybody but marilyn manson doing the blues seemingly fucking works and in 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 being that his fan base is so loyal to him being that goth metal king 
You know what I mean? To see what he's doing now, it's just awesome, awesome. Yeah, no, um, going through the discography of Marilyn Manson, starting in one album and ending in another, you see the genuine transition of an artist. You see somebody start with a really good idea. And don't get me wrong, like he had his things. He's he he really makes a lot of comments against the church and against Jesus that that are honestly they're really powerful statements. And he was he was a, he is a king of powerful statements. And I think just dipping through his albums is honestly it's just a tip of the iceberg. And this, there, I wanna I wanna before we get out of here, I really wanna. Uh, bring up Heaven Upside Down because Heaven Upside Down is my absolute favorite Marilyn Manson album which is weird to say that the guy's been around for as long as he has nobody likes the new shit right everybody likes the old shit oh, oh old school fans are the real fans right well fuck you because Heaven Upside Down his last album was a fucking amazing amazing tattooed in reverse threats of romance Threats of Romance could have been a a late 70s protest song. I mean, it is just gorgeous. Heaven Upside Down, the title track on that song was stuck in my head all fucking night last night. There's a song called Blood Honey on that album. Blood Honey is the sexiest, darkest, like... That's the song that plays when you have sex with a super hot vampire chick. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? And you know, yeah, we, we were talking about earlier, we mentioned in a previous episode how Static X was like this sexy kind of rock. No, if you want to talk about sexy and dark and metal, Marilyn fucking Manson. Marilyn Manson is some of the sexiest fucking rock ever, dude. Now, not all of it, don't get me wrong, but like that dude puts out... In my opinion, some of the darkest, sexiest rock tracks in the history of music. There's a song on Heaven Upside Down called Say 10. Say the number 10. Yeah. Right? And the chorus goes, say, say 10. You say God, I say, say 10. I fucking love that song. And it's one of my favorite things to do when Mormons knock on the door. I, I, I start playing with that. I look at him and I tell him to go, say, hey, say, say 10. And they look at me like, what do you mean? And I'm like, you know, the number 10, say 10. And they go, 10. Now I'm, no, you have to say, say. And they go, say 10. And, and then I go, yes, hell, You're say such 10. A dick. It's the funniest shit ever. It makes me laugh my ass off. You know what? Here's the thing. Because what we haven't really touched on is the prolific amount of fucking cover songs that Marilyn Manson has performed. Marilyn Manson, without a doubt, is probably the most prolific cover artist of our generation, if not all time. What I'd like to do is reset, repack my bong, and then maybe get into some uh, Marilyn Manson's Ooh. covers and some of our favorite covers. What do you think? How about we advance our listenings after we uh, uh, take a, a quick uh, bong reload break? This is advanced listening.
Hey, Birdie. Hey, guy. How you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I realized what happened to my roach. What'd you do? Did you smoke I it? Smoked it. Yeah. You know, there's a uh, there's a Cottonmouth King song called "The Joint." The whole song, they're just looking for this joint. They know they have this joint, but can't find this joint. They look everywhere for it. And then at the end of the song, one of the three guys in the in the band goes, "Oh, we already smoked a goddamn joint." <laughs> hey, Amen. Um, you know, we just go right into it. We'll use all yeah. of it. Like, so yeah. so cover songs, right? Yeah. Marilyn Manson cover songs are there are they are plentiful and prolific. You know, there the first one that comes to mind, and there's a their whole library of them, but the first one that comes to mind is Personal Jesus. And uh that's a that's a Depeche Mode cover. Oh, um, I know the Depeche Mode quite well. In fact, that album, Violator, is one of my favorite Depeche Mode albums because I have multiple Depeche Mode albums to have a favorite Depeche Mode album because I'm down with the mode, yo. You know what I like about when, when Manson does his covers is like he puts he definitely puts his own spin on it, right? But right. he keeps the song kind of intact. Yes. I Well, look, the best cover songs, in my opinion, are songs that the, 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 the new artist has a take on it. Don't just regurgitate the song at me. You know what I mean? I have the song. I, I know the original. Have a take on the song. You know what I mean? Give me something that makes your version of the song different and unique. And Marilyn Manson always does that. From Sweet Dreams to uh, he, him and Rob Zombie got together, did a song called uh, a Beatles cover called Helter Skelter. Um, yeah. He does a cover of the song from uh, the Lost Boys, that Cry On Little Sister song. That is just yeah. fucking gorgeous. You know, here's a here's a really good one that um, a lot of people, it's not, it never really got played on the radio, so a lot of people don't really know about it. Um, I'll, I'll consider this one of the best ones, Manson covers, that you've probably, not you, but you know, our wonderful listeners. Um <laughs> Why do you kiss their ass like that, man? Oh, I mean, man. They, their asses probably haven't been washed with anything other than pond scum in at least a month. You know, I th- I think you don't give our, our people the benefit of the doubt. You know, that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. I'm just saying. Yeah, I do give them the benefit of the doubt. I assume that they probably take a bath in, in something close to raw sewage at least once a month. You are a bad person. I am a bad person. I am a uh, horrible, horrible dirt person. And if you would like to send me your hate mail, you can do that at advancedlisteningpod at yahoo.com. That's Tag a good it. I hate you, Orion. And I will write you back with a big, giant, get back to sales. That, that is a really, uh, that's a great plug. No, but they, Thank they, you. they, 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 they masterful in that way. Did a cheap trick cover, dude. Manson did a cheap trick cover. He did Surrender, which... Yeah, that is a good cover. It's fucking incredible, man. It's fucking... And then, you know, we we there's no way we can't... You, you already mentioned Tainted Love, didn't you? We have to mention... No, mention. we mentioned Sweet Dreams, but those are his two big ones, Sweet Dreams and Tainted Love, I think. Yeah, yeah. but he doesn't get any props or, or acknowledgement for busting out a Ramones cover, right? No, he doesn't. Which I is... Said, uh, listen... There are more covers than you think because he covers, he'll cover artists that are real like 
deep cuts artists. You know what I mean? And then right. he'll take songs from a known artist and he'll find the most obscure song he can he can from them. You know, it, you, dude, he's even done a Bowie cover. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I, here's, I don't know. Here's I, another like the best covers are covers you don't realize are covers, like Jimi Hendrix doing "All Along the Watchtower." No, you know what is, in my opinion, a cover that you don't know is a cover. Which is, for me, it's either uh, I didn't at least "Suicide Is Painless" from Manson. Uh-huh. Or, or when the Deftones covered "When the Levee Breaks" because they totally, totally changed that song, and they did a good job of it. Don't get me wrong. Is, yeah, they make that song smooth. It, it's weird. Yeah, it's a weird cover. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying people know "When the Levee Breaks," but if if you didn't, dude, if you didn't, you would if, listen to the Deftones version. It's completely different. If I if I if I renamed the song. And then fed it to you. You you would probably not guess the first time through that it was when the levee breaks. Right. Right. So here's a band. Here's a band that I uh, or here's a couple of covers that I really like. Right. I really fucking like Orgy's cover of Blue Monday. Okay. I really like Orgy's cover of Blue Monday. Ramstein does a cover of a Depeche Mode song in English called Stripped. I dig that cover. Okay. But one of my, there's a, a machine head cover of um, a message in a bottle. Yeah. That is fucking gangster. It is so metal. They take a punk rock song and make it thrash metal. Um, also, how do you take one of Metallica's hardest, fastest, uh, uh, and most aggressive songs and make it harder and faster? Let Dave Mustaine do it. No, you let fucking Machine Head do it. Machine Head's cover of Battery is actually a harder, heavier, faster version of Battery. But, but, my all-time favorite cover, the cover that I think is one of the greatest covers in the history of cover songs, the the, the cover song that bitch slaps everybody off the top of the mountain, one of the greatest bands of all time covering one of the greatest bands of all time. <laughs> Alright, the suspense is killing me. What is it? Tools cover of Led Zeppelin's No Quarter. Yeah, that's a that's a goodie right there. That is the all-time heavyweight. That is the motherfucking Michael Jordan, the goddamn Wayne Gretzky. That is the Mike Tyson of fucking See, covers. It's just knocking fools out left and right. There's a couple that come to mind off the top of my head. There's a band out there called Shaman's Harvest. And oh, I, I love really that like- band. That's a good band. They did a cover of Michael Jackson's Dirty Diana. And it is, uh, dude, that is some strong, strong shit. Uh oh. Uh oh. My, my, my daughter's little dog has decided that it does not like the big dogs next to the door. See, I have a, I have a pack of pit bulls, and sometimes the pit bulls like to fuck with the little dog. No, and, uh, another, another good one. Uh oh. Are we good? As you were. Don't worry another, about my dog fiasco. Another good one that uh, that comes to mind is uh, a band I really like a lot called Nonpoint. Uh, <laughs> what? They did, they did a cover of In the Air tonight that I thought was really cool. It's uh, like a really, a really nice rock take on that. Okay. All right. Wait. Hold. If you're going to do a cover 
of Mr. Phil doing in the air tonight. You better you better have the motherfucking Wait, you know what's great about in in that version, there's a do 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 at at the beginning of every chorus instead of the one time. Yeah, they they get everybody everybody listening to us right now knows exactly what the fuck we mean by that. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's actually one of the reasons why I love that cover is they know people love that part, so fuck doing it once. They do it like three times in the song, and I'm like, yeah, right, yes, okay. So there's a cover of a Florence and the Machine song called "Lover to Lover." Uh, Florence and the Machine is is you know a similar ish to Tori Amos, similar ish, like ish. Anyway, this cover is done by a band of, 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 of heathenistic savages from San Antonio called Upon a Burning Body. And uh, these guys are real fucking heavy grindcore metal doing a cover of a Florence and the Machine song called Lover to Lover, where you would not realize that that song is a love song if you listen to it and nobody told you. It's angry. I can't remember what the song is, but there's a band my wife likes called, and actually, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, I like them too. We should spend some time on them one day. They're called A Day to Remember. And, oh, I know um, them. Uh, they they did a Britney Spears cover. And I can't really? remember. I, I want to say it was, it was Toxic. It might have been. I'm not sure what the Britney Spears cover is, but it is brutal it's fucking brutal um okay yeah it's it's so really there's good a no. band called go ahead go ahead no, no 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 go ahead go ahead well i was, I was gonna play off a metal band doing a uh, pop song cover right well i got a band called august burns red that does a cover of miley cyrus's wrecking ball and it makes that song palatable you know um i wish i had it in front of me right now because i hate it whenever i don't know stuff but there's a whole fucking album out there of there metal. There are several band. albums out there. Pop goes, yeah. punk, uh, punk goes pop and shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like it, there's a lot of dude. There's a lot of solid songs on. The, oh, you know what you just made me think of, dude? Whenever yeah. they got uh, a bunch of fucking because we're talking about Marilyn Manson anyway. Um, they got a bunch of bands together and they remade the soundtrack to Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, nice. Have you heard that? No. Dude, Manson does. I'm pretty sure Manson got This Is Halloween. Hold on one second. I'm actually going to I'm going to look this up. Fill this dead air while I do this cuz I want to find what this what this is. So, so in the 90s and late 90s there was a bunch of metal bands that all of them did a uh, uh, an 80s pop song cover, right? You had uh Power Man 5000 doing Let the Good Times Roll. Um, Disturbed did, uh, 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 oh, Disturbed did a couple of covers. I do not like the Disturbed cover of Sound of Silence. Oh, no, let me, no, okay, yeah, I'm actually stopping what I'm doing. Hold on. And I, yeah, Nightmare Revisited. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before I get into this Manson thing that we were talking about, 
I fucking hate Disturbed's Sound of Silence. And everybody is so great about it. And I understand, like, like people like my dad, people like the generation before us, they appreciate a very modern and popular band doing a, I won't call it an obscure cover, but that's almost like one you got to knock the dust off of, Sound of Silence, right? right? But the Simon and Garfunkel, I believe that's who that is, right? The Simon and Garfunkel original of that, is 10 times fucking a thousand times fucking better i agree listen but here's the thing that bugs me is because disturbed has some good covers they do a cover of shout off their first album shout oh it's awesome shout, oh it's so good it all out. right dude they that, do a cover of land of confusion incredible. that's pretty good and they it's do awesome. a cover they do a cover of a uh 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 midlife crisis by faith no more that yeah. is a really good fucking cover. Mm. Oh, 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 here's, you want to hear a fucking weird cover song that I heard? So my dad and I went and saw uh, Chris Cornell uh, uh, when he did that acoustic tour right before his death. Yeah. And Chris Cornell playing an acoustic set. It was fucking awesome, right? But here's the thing. Johnny Cash covered a Chris Cornell or a Soundgarden song called Rusty Cage, right? Yes, yes, he did. And Johnny Cash's version of Rusty Cage is really fucking good and he makes it fundamentally his, right? No, he did he did I don't I don't know if it was a whole album or not, but he did several he did an whole album. Yeah, and he made Your each dad one. was listening to his version of uh, Hurt the other day. Yeah, Hurt, and everybody that's probably his most famous cover is, is Hurt uh, by Nine Inch Nails. But that whole right. fucking album, dude, every single one of those songs that he, that Johnny Cash covered, he made them his own, and he did an incredible job. By the way, going back to uh, uh, the Nightmare Revisited thing, it, Marilyn Manson did This Is Halloween on on this Nightmare Revisited, and it's so fucking appropriate. I've never heard that. I'm going to have to advance my list. I think I go find that as soon as we're done here. But uh, what I was saying was, okay, so the Johnny Cash version of Rusty Cage, right? Very yeah. fundamentally made Johnny Cash, right? This is one of the most meta fucking things I've ever seen at a concert. It's Chris Cornell singing his song, but the Johnny Cash version of his own song. He's doing a cover of a cover of his song. That is incredible. That is, and, now and here, that 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 was just like I'm looking at my dad going, because my dad did not know the uh, the Johnny Cash version of the song, right? And he's like, "What is he doing? He's kind of changing his song." And I'm like, "No, he's doing the Johnny Cash version, man. Yeah." Yeah, that's incredible. I was what, the only one that was geeked up. What is one of the worst covers that you think of? Uh, outside of Sound of Silence. Yeah, let me think. You know what? Aerosmith's version of Come Together, I think it's just because I'm so sick of hearing that song covered. You know what I mean? Because I I can personally think of like six different versions of Come Together. But I think Aerosmith's version of the laziest and most boring of all of them. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, it's not like Godsmack did a much better job. It's funny, it's like... And I, you know, I'm not an Aerosmith guy. I'm, I'm really not. Um, I used to be back in back in the day, like, like, uh, right around the time of get a get a grip came out. I was pretty big in Aerosmith. Um, one of the worst ones that comes to mind for me is uh, Five Finger Death Punch's cover of Bad Company. 
Well, I, I know that might happen. It's because they they alter the song so much that they get away from the actual song in a in a real way that you can feel it's palatable. And I think it's also the fact that I don't really like Five Finger Death Punch, but the biggest letdown for me, other than him going into that whole weird tangent, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, I'm like, dude, just shut the fuck up, man. And then on top of that, uh, the chorus of that song is so disappointing, dude. It, it, it's, it, whenever you listen to the Bad Company version, whenever they get to the chorus, dude, it's a high man. They fucking they hit it hard. They, they knock it out. No, yeah, heart. it's... It's da 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 bad company. And you know whenever, I mean? when Five Finger Death Punch hits it, they they do this great build up. I'll admit the body of the song is not bad. It, it sounds good. It sounds like it's going to be a decent uh, new rendition of a classic old badass fucking song, right? But <laughs> for me, the execution was sloppy and careless. And here's one that you might not like because I'm with you. I don't like the band Bad Wolves. You may have heard us talk shit about them, but their uh, their cranberries rendition of Zombie was fucking. Just stupid, man. God awful. No, I I love it. I love it. No, because I love the Cranberries version of that song, and I wanted a goddamn heavy metal version of that song for the longest time. And the Bad Wolves cover of Zombie, I think the reason why I don't like it so much is because it's, it's, it's like a half measure. You know what I mean? Which almost makes me more disappointed like i feel like they they uh, it's just a slightly harder version of the actual song what i wanted was a fucking metal version of that song now if you don't know the story bad wolf, behind bad wolf to me just feels like a slightly harder version than nickelback uh bad wolves was actually on the way to the studio to record with uh, the lead singer of the Cranberries. They were going to record this new rendition of this song together. I'm not saying they were on the way, but they had like some kind of an appointment set up. It was supposed to happen. And then uh, her untimely passing happened. And uh, they still yeah. went forward and, and recorded the song, which I actually, I think is, is, is great. And I like the story behind that, that they, you know, they were going to do this collaboration with the original artist, but then she, she died. And uh, they they still went ahead and, and recorded and released the song. And I, although I don't like the band, I do like that song. Okay, so how do you feel about Rush? I love Rush. I think I, I love Rush for who they are. I don't, I'm not a big Eddie Lee fan. I, I think that he thought he was a lot better than he was. You know, like, uh, uh, don't get me wrong, in the early days, whenever he was like, I'm the greatest ever, he was pretty good because he would knock out some pretty intricate licks uh, while singing, which is pretty impressive. But I think, uh, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, once Les Claypool stepped on the scene, that whole greatest bassist thing just kind of got washed away. I don't really like his voice, but I love the band. Getty Lee's voice to me is nails on a chalkboard. It's not that bad. I cannot stand it. I, I, I appreciate Rush because... They are really amazing musicians. But my issue with Rush is Getty Lee's voice is nails on a chalkboard to me. So even if I like a Rush song, it's really, really hard for me to listen to him without going, oh, God damn it, shut up, Getty. Um, that being said, there's a there's a band called Dead Sea that does a cover of Tom Sawyer. And without Getty Lee singing that song, 
God damn, that's a good song. You know what's weird is I feel exact opposite of you. I've heard that cover, and I've heard other covers of Tom Sawyer. I don't like that song without fucking Getty's voice on it. I, that's weird. It's a weird thing you, to say. It's, you. You know, it's, I get it, man. But, like, for me, Tom Sawyer, you cover any other Rush song, any other. And there is a plethora for you to fucking choose from, bro. True, true. But for me, Tom Sawyer, it, it, Getty Lee is an important part of the, his weird frequency. It, it's just hearing him come in, dude. Don't get me wrong. That original intro, I don't give a fuck who can recreate that intro, right? But the way Getty's voice comes in with those first words in Tom Sawyer, it's it's beyond legendary to me. And I've heard other versions of it, and I turn it off almost a minute. Yeah, I got you. All right, how about... Give me, uh, give me, give me one more of each. One more that you really like. Give me one more that you really don't like. All right, one more that I really do like. Hold on, let me, let me think about this. Can I give you? Can I give you mine yeah, while you're ahead. thinking? Yeah. There's a, there's a song by a band called Massive Attack called Angel, covered by the Dillinger Escape Plan. It is a funky, groovy, weird little song, right? And the, and the Dillinger Escape Plan does the song. And somehow takes a funky, groovy, weird little song and makes it funkier, groovier, and weirder. So, and I appreciate the fuck out of them for doing that. They're a band that doesn't really do a lot of covers. I think they have only, this is their second one, maybe. But don't quote me on that. But, uh, it's a really fucking groovy, weird cover of a weird song. Okay. And then one that I hate, even though I like the song and I like the band who covers the song the song is uh, uh the band that co- is is kill switch engage oh yeah i already know what you're gonna say i already know what you're gonna say and i love it i think it's a really good cover do you yeah oh I, I here's the reason why i don't like kill switch engage's cover of uh holy diver by dio goddamn rest in peace ronnie james rest um, in peace brother fucking evil eye baby listen the reason I, it's not one of my favorite covers it's a good song it's a good cover it's just the same there's the, there's nothing that kill switch does that makes it their own i mean they kind of grunge it up a little bit but yeah. it was already a kind of grungy 70s metal song to begin with holy diver anyway you went out too long in the midnight sun. Oh no, Sorry, I can't, Ronnie. I love you, man. But I don't like it because it's just too similar to the original. It's not made. There's nothing that Kill Switch does that makes it unique or, 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 or make it stand out. Like, I might as well just listen to the original. You know, the last one, There's there's actually two that I want to point out one that I I can't believe I forgot to bring up until now but Primus does a cover of Have a Cigar yeah and, uh, that is a good goddamn cover fucking A it is man and see a lot of people feel the same way that you feel about uh, Getty Lee about Les Claypool because he has a very his voice is an acquired taste you either like it or you fucking don't right and they're like Les Claypool's voice 
or it has to grow on you. I love it. Uh, but they do a cover of uh, "Have a Cigar" that you have to hear. Like I, I, I would God in summary of everything yeah. for me to listen to Primus's "Have a Cigar," and then also there is a live rendition of Primus <laughs> playing the puppets. Say that again. There's a live rendition of Ma- of Primus playing Master of Puppets. And Speaking it, of weird, oh, oh, go ahead. No, finish. No, it. you've just never heard it. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much it, man. If you uh, you got to hear it, because everybody likes to talk shit about Les Claypool and the 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 Metallica thing. Um, but but trust me, the man is capable. You know, there is a there is a speaking of weird live renditions of covers. There is a cover of uh, Corey Taylor. Uh, doing an acoustic version of Sanitarium, and for whatever reason, it's—I think it's one of the most beautiful time. Uh, 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 I think it's Corey Taylor's most beautiful voice. Does that make sense? Or that song? Yeah, I think he has. He like I've heard him live many, many, many times with both Stone Sour and Slipknot, but I've never heard him sound that beautiful live. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, a- he absolutely was on it. No, I, I have a great deal of appreciation for whenever an artist can, uh, especially if you're singing somebody else's song, uh, for you to do it live and sound good, because that's really where it's at. Like, overproduced studio bullshit is a lie. It's a fucking lie. It's the whole reason we have this podcast. It is a lie. You, gotta, you are a fucking liar. You are don't, a liar. Do not ever trust a song that is flawless, ever. Yeah, it's a lie. It's a lie. Listen, the whole point of, of music is to play it live, right? In front of a live studio audience. Now, if you're doing shit in the studio that you can't reconstruct live, then what are you fucking doing, man? This is advanced listening. Yeah, man, this is, yeah. One more that you don't like. Yeah, one more that I don't like? Yes, sir. It's hard, man. Maybe not your favorite, because I fucking love cover songs. I really do. I other, you know, excluding what um, what uh, Rob Zombie did with um, Marilyn Manson, I don't like it when people cover Beatles songs. They're just never that great to me. Like any, like we do, we just said earlier. Like fucking, I hate to bring it back up, but both Godsmack and Aerosmith, a lot of bands fucking covered come together, and it's never good. Just, okay, I I I uh, 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 I forgot one that I absolutely have to mention. It is a uh, uh, and and like a second I fucking remembered it, it ran right out of my head again, like a little tease, like here here I am, here I am, follow me, follow me. Um, Marijuana affects the memory. I can hear it in my head. Oh, what is the name of that song? The Wham song. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is that? Son of a bitch. I feel so sure. Do you know what you just I'll made me think? Your hand, Fucking of. Uh, Limp Biscuit's cover of Faith. Ew! What? Ew. Fuck you, yeah, dude. dude! That song is incredible. 
No, you. Yes. Fuck yeah, dude. What is the song that I think? Oh, Wait. Careless Fucking Whisper. God damn it. By Seether. I actually really like that cover. Sorry. No, no, no. Fair enough. But back, back to the biscuit. Back to the biscuit, bro. When when he okay, did that. Cover, what about Limp Biscuit's nasty ass cover of fucking uh, 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 Behind Blue Eyes? No, I, that's not what that's I'm talking about right now. You. That's not okay. That is you. That's gross. It was really bad. It was super duper bad. It was it was Listen, Fred Durst depressed that everybody hated him. Fred Durst cannot hit the high notes on Faith. No. There go. Bad cover. No, no. Bad Fred Durst. No, you put your fucking hat on straight and you go stand in the corner with the rest of our goddamn listeners, Fred Durst. You leave Freddy Boy alone because you listen to me here, you son of a bitch. He's saying that make me take that red Yankees hat off your head and beat you with it, Freddy. He's he's really like, I'm pretty sure he has diabetes now. Yeah! Chocolate starfish! (laughs) Hot dog flavored water! I have lost my mind! From Kukai. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Let's get it. No, but listen, he sang those verses <laughs> really, really well. <laughs> oh, Ryan, I don't mean to make fun of Fred Durst. I love three dollar bill, y'all. We got to do a Limp Biscuit episode. No, we we definitely will. But but he sang these these verses really, really well. And then when he got to the chorus for Faith, he fucking let it fly, dude. That is him doing Faith is some of his best metal vocals that he ever put down ever. I disagree. Counterfeit, oh, stuck, um, pollution. I think what he does on pollution is probably some of his best vocals ever. Because he can't fucking hit the high note, man. As somebody who can also not hit the high note, I know what he's th- what he, how he feels. <sighs> Listen, I, I don't get it twisted. I fucking love cover songs, and I I have been known to listen to that particular cover of Faith once in a, in a blue moon. It's a good but, song. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I gotta go advance my listening and try to listen to Faith again, I guess. Yeah. Guten Tag, wie geht es mit dir? Are you drinking coffee right now? Yeah, ja, jawohl. I'm literally sitting down with like a fresh ass hot cup of coffee. I love coffee. Me too. I enjoy a nice, dark, rich French roast and cannabis. Coffee and cannabis is the breakfast of champions. I'm just saying. Agreed. I agree with that. I, I, I agree with that. So we, we've been talking a lot about Manson today and... You know, we glossed past a lot of stuff, right? Like, honestly, I feel like we we didn't even really tip the iceberg. We just kind of dug into uh, his his music, you know, like the discography and, and such. Right. We 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 scratched a little bit at you know uh, some of the story of Manson and some of the you know uh, orbital crazy 
But right. you know what we didn't do? We didn't talk about the members of Manson's band, who, by the way, have some of the most interesting names. I love how they take a sex symbol and a serial killer and smash them together. And I think yeah. if I was in Marilyn Manson's band, I would be Britney Dahmer. Brit- Britney Dahmer? Yeah, Britney Spears and Jeffrey Dahmer smashed into one unholy amalgamation of evil. Yeah, um, what, could I, I, maybe, I, I mean, Whitney Holmes? Right? Well, I like that. Whitney Houston and Jay, well, I guess she used to be a sex symbol, right? Then she turned into a crackhead, so that, that I might still think, I still think it, I still think it plays. One of my favorite, listen, if we're going to talk mans and guitarists specifically, mm. Mm. Daisy Berkowitz is probably my favorite of the mans and guitarists. He died in uh, 2017. But uh, he was, you know, portrait of an American family through Antichrist Superstar. And then he had some hand in, in Mechanical Animal. He's listed in the in the, in the the credits, but not as the guitarist. Well, and a lot of the, uh, because a lot of the writing for Mechanical, and this is something that uh, Manson would talk about, uh, is uh, a lot of the writing for Mechanical Animals was done way earlier in, in the group's uh, now, not necessarily the recording, but way early on in the group stuff. But when we're talking guitar players, I know you brought up uh, that that earlier Manson guitar player. But for me, it's 1998 is whenever John Five joined, uh, and he's the one. It, man, I love John Five. John Five is one of my favorite guitar players uh, ever. Like, uh, I wouldn't say my favorite, but I, I love him because like his thing is is like okay. We talked earlier about how Manson is really into like his. He he loves himself. You said it best when we were talking off off recording. You're like, God, Manson. I, I, I smell my own, man. I know. As and, somebody who fundamentally loves the sound of his own fucking voice, that guy likes the sound of his own voice. And and John Five is is such a talented musician. He is he is in my opinion, uh, up there with some of the greatest. And and I'm not talking about accomplishments. I'm just talking about ability, okay? Um, but this dude, Manson's so focused on the lyrical content and stuff like that, the music is typically kind of basic. And that was too much for John Five. He plays for uh, Rob Zombie now, and he has for oh, yeah, he has. some time. I, I've, I've gotten a chance to see John Five live a couple of times with Rob Zombie. I have, I have two actually, just once. But um, he is, my- you know, here's the thing about John Five. It's he's a great guitarist, but he's also a showman like a motherfucker. Like a motherfucker. He is a showman in the in the way of the ancient traditions of rock gods, such as uh, you know your Jimmys, your Pages, and your Hendrix. And it's like it's it's little things like check this out little shit that he he does whenever they're they're live. And there's two things that I have to mention. A, he does not headbang up and down. No, he, he headbangs left to right. Yeah, and I he looks shit. like he looks like the night at the Roxbury guy sometimes. Yeah, and it looks like he's just constantly saying no, like as hard as he can, but his hair is no. flipping around. He's like he's like left, right, left, right, left, no. It, I love it. I really, I love that. And then the second thing is like the showmanship. It's not just the way that he plays. It's the shit that he does to uh, the um, to the audience. Now, look, you can consider this a concert story if you want. I'll, I'll make this quick. But whenever I saw, it was actually Marilyn Manson and Rob Zombie on a Halloween tour. It was incredible. Um, <coughs> whenever I saw 
John Five play with Mance or uh, Zombie, he kept acting like he was trying to start Thunder Kiss, but couldn't do it. Right? Like they would play like they would play like two songs, and then it would be like a fucked up intro to Thunder Kiss. He'd be like dun 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 dun, dun and then they would move on, and they would play he something. Did the, he did the exact same thing with more human than human the first time i saw him play with zombie he he tried to start it like the song uh, one song went in and uh <laughs> rob zombie like kick us off johnny five and then he would go to start playing more human than human and rob zombie would just shake his head no at him yeah and he'd be like going into another song it's like he wanted to play it but then but but rob kept cutting him no no <laughs> He did that. He did that with Thunder Kiss throughout the entire show, and it was either the yeah. closing bit or or somewhere near the end. It was finally like it was almost like an old truck starting up. It was like the dun 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 dun. It wasn't right, you know. And it was like right dun 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 dun, and everybody lost their fucking shit, you know. And it was like it was like building up to that that moment, like a whole fucking show. You know? Oh yeah, they did the same thing with More Human Than Human, where he's he's playing it. You can tell he's playing it, but it's not quite right. Not right. One, Rob Zombie kept shaking his head no at him. We get to the end of the fucking show, and then Rob Zombie's like, "If you do this correctly, we'll do this." And John, and yeah, you, because you, he doesn't really have a mic. So he's bouncing around like he's a, a hyper little kid in the candy shop just got told he could get whatever he wants. And then it's more human. You know what I mean? It's that intro to more human than human. And and the whole fucking, of course, everybody goes nuts. And then, But it wasn't the last song because then they go, how about one more? And then they play Devil Man. Which is one of my favorite white zombie songs. Uh, but uh, do you, you know what? One of the guitarists that I really, really enjoy for one of the first times, unless you got something else on Johnny Five. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I got one more thing on John, and then we can, we totally, because this is going to be a good little combo about guitar players, I feel. Um, but with John Five, the last thing I want to point out is his creativity to me is boundless right like he does not just deal with um playing with these artists and by the way this dude's got a fucking background on him he's played with ozzy he's played with the scorpions he's fucking played with meatloaf he's played with garbage play with wednesday 13 he's played with and, uh, skinnard like wasn't wasn't murder dolls wednesday 13 johnny five and joey jordanson i don't think i don't think john was in uh murder dolls John Five is like Mike Patton. He's in every band. No, he is in every band. But the last thing that I want to say is he's got these fucking solo albums, right? Where yeah. there's not even any vocals. It's all instrumental. But he's got like nine of them. Uh, my favorite ones, just, I'm not even going to go into tracks, but there's one called um, Requiem. I love that fucking album. There's a few of those tracks on our. Uh, uh, advanced listening playlist, right? There's another it's album on Spotify that you can check out right now called Advanced Listening Season One on Spotify. Hey, so you can advance your listening, you filthy heathens. Hey, we love you and thank you for listening. And then, oh wait, also there's no, you're all filthy heathens. Careful with that axe. And then songs for sanity. This dude basically just sits and shreds in different ways. And what I love is it's not just it's not guitar masturbation. The dude is putting together beautiful pieces of art so it's so it's not Ingve malstein just jacking off with a with a with a with a 12 string Dude, guitar nothing i hate more than a fucking guitar player that just sits there and mindlessly he's like 
This dude does do sweet picking and shit like that, but it's put together like it's supposed to be put together. Right, and he has a, a yeah, alright, fair enough. And speaking of filthy heathens, hi Nicole! Um <laughs> one of my favorite guitarists, one of the first guitarists that I remember fucking doing some shit that just made me go, what the fuck? Was Tom Morello and the solo on Bulls on Parade. Dude. Where it sounds like he's scratching a fucking record with his guitar. That that shit was blew my little teenage mind. I was like, this is madness. This is madness. What is this crazy dark wizard on the guitar? Yeah, no. And then I had to go and discover more Tom Morello. But he is, he is a guy who, you want to talk about not just masturbating with a guitar. Here's a guy who uses feedback with his amp as a way of creating sound with his guitar. He is a fucking madman. He's a dark wizard of the guitar apocalypse. And you got to understand that uh, even though his his techniques are are kind of commonly practiced these days, he was absolutely an innovator in the sense to where he made guitars make sounds that they didn't make. And he did it all with either his weird experimenting with his guitar, and he also was known to use an octave pedal. And for those that know a lot about guitar playing, octave pedals don't do that fucking much. That's not like some crazy sound effect. It just helps you change tones. You know what I mean? His wah-wah pedal foot is, is is, is a masterful thing to watch. The way he plays that wow wow wicked wow wow wiki wiki wiki. And I like I like how his entire career he's dressed like a fucking beach bum. Like <laughs> yeah, there is a, a there's okay. So on the on your head of your guitar where you're tuning your guitar where your tuners are above the bridge, right? He would play. It, it, they do it more on uh, uh, um, Battle for Los Angeles than they do bol- uh, uh, the uh, Evil Empire. But he would hit those those strings above the bridge and make this sound that would just drive me nuts. It was because it was fascinating. I'm like, how do you make that sound? I want that sound. He would do it in the middle of a song, just playing out a song, and it it because it's a deadened it's a deadened noise. You know what I mean? Because it's above the bridge. Morello is a is a wizard dude. Yeah, he's a true he's a true uh, innovator. Well, we can't talk about guitar players making sounds that guitars don't make and not bring up Dimebag Daryl. You know, Dimebag Daryl. I you know what? Here's the thing. I love Dimebag Daryl's just his take on music. It's like you wait the whole song for the good part of the song. Why can't the whole song be the good part of the song? That's what I did, and then I made walk. Motherfuckers! God damn it! I love that shit, Dimebag. Fuck it! Why can't the good part be the whole song? See, there's nothing I hate more than somebody who is basically a master at their instrument that feels the need to prove that they're a master the entire time they're fucking playing, right? And Dimebag right. Girl was so good at doing these really basic, just chug along, headbutt anything. But it's so driving and relentless. Yeah, it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be something so difficult that nobody could ever cover. It's basic, super basic shit. But after he gives you this build up, this fucking primal energy with his guitar, he executes some of the most masterful, masterful solos of our generation. And then he he puts a cherry on top of that solo by giving you this squeal in a guitar that you did not know a guitar. It, it's it's almost like the guitar is alive and he's choking the shit out of it because it's like wow. 
Like, yeah. Fucking Eddie, Rest man. in peace, Dimebag. Rest in peace, Dimebag, bro. For real. They, okay, one of my favorite guitarists is a guy named Phil Dremel. Here's a guy who walks the line of being masturbatory with his guitar. Uh, Phil is the was the longtime guitarist in Machine Head until I don't want I don't want to talk about it. Okay, you know, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. It still hurts. It's okay. Um, it's okay. But Phil, Phil ha- had such beautiful fucking solos. He had this way of creating an ambiance of uh, kind of just darkness around where he was going with his guitar so while fucking uh rob finn the the lead singer the rhythm guitarist was was grinding out these crunching fucking uh uh you know riffs you know what i mean and he was he was really building the he was the sound of the the main sound of the song you would have phil creating this dark kind of shadowy ambiance around it and then a lot of the intros to a lot of machine head songs or phil uh so you get like these really weird, slow, haunting intros, like in uh, "Unto the Locust" and "Darkness Within," and then, and then Rob would fill the song up with these really crunching uh, 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 guitar riffs. But it was Phil's solos that really made me fall in love with his guitar playing because it, they're not all to prove he's as fast as he can fucking be. You know right. what I mean? Sometimes so the solo needed to be slow and methodical. And sometimes the solo needed to be fast, and sometimes it needed to be a little bit of both, and take you on a bit of a roller coaster ride, take you up, and then drop you off the side of a fucking cliff, and then twist you around, and then throw you for a loop, and then bring it back. If you can actually manage to balance chaos with theory when it comes to it, solos are fucking tricky. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they they, because, like in my opinion, it's easy to come off especially in a live show it's easy to come off like an arrogant asshole because i don't want to hear you just go i don't care but wait 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 we can't talk about sweet picking and really working a fretboard borderline guitar masturbation but it's put together so beautifully brandon fucking smalls i don't want to spend too much time on him because i want to do a whole thing on him one day but his uh his um representation of squiskar squiggolf uh fucking a plus if you've ever watched that cartoon, every if you see Squick Scar Squig Elf in the background, he is scratching the back, baby. He is just it's just not plugged in and it's an electric guitar, so you oh. can't hear it. But if you pay attention, you can hear him clicking off the fretboards. And it that but but the actual human, Brendan Smalls, that man's yeah. guitar is so motherfucking talented, dude. Like yeah, he, he makes sweet picking sound like day one type shit. He makes it sound and look so fucking easy. Well, here's the thing. That one of the other things that I really liked about Phil Dremel was that his solos can after time. They sound, they start sounding all the same. The guy, you know what I mean? And Phil Dremel did a really good job of making his solos not sound so repetitive. Kurt Hammett, I'm looking at you. Listen, (laughs) solo for one is masterful. It's beautiful. But uh, if you spend time, like, just binge listening to old Metallica, you'll notice a trend in Kurt Hammett's solos. Yes, he's very good. But yes, he is very repetitive. You know, that's actually kind of what I hate about, uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but Mick Thompson, uh, the lead guitar player for Slipknot, um, I hate his solos. I fucking hate them. Um, 
yeah talk about repetitive i i just don't and then it's like it's like it's unimpressive shredding at its worst like there's a solo in one of their later albums called pulse of the maggots um yes there or there's a song called pulse the guitar it's such a decent song considering the album is garbage and they end it up it doesn't need a solo it, but he and he goes into this like it's like shut the fuck up dude yeah God damn. i get it I, I i'm with you on that so who else you, a, who else you got man well i was thinking there was this because there's this huge era in the 90s where it was uncouth to do solos so you don't get solos out of corn you don't get solos out of the deftones i appreciate you know what I, mean? not in the way I appreciate that, that shit right but not in the way we traditionally think of solos you know what i mean their solos were their massive breakdowns leading into the bridge you know what i mean yeah yeah so i was i was pondering on who is outside of tom morello the king of fucking guitar in the 90s and i'm struggling to come up with somebody other than and one name keeps popping out of my, in my head and i know you're going to hate me for this but uh adam jones the guitarist for tool <laughs> <laughs> you made me you made me choke on my coffee all right i'm i'm going to take the wheel here for a minute and nobody's fucking surprised hey guess what orion just did he brought up another member of tool consecutive episode go ahead you know what go ahead go, let's let's hear it listen adam jones adam jones is sneakily one of the top 5 guitarists of all times in my opinion he does things with a guitar that are so subtle you don't notice them and a lot of times because just a channel the fucking bass is so good a lot of times you don't realize that that's not even a guitar do you bass. know do you know what i think makes adam jones so unique and one of the reasons why he he is especially by and once again it, it is only heralded by people who listen to the other layers of music right surface listeners wouldn't get this okay so no that's why i'm saying it's subtle as fuck and our goddamn retarded ass listeners need 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 more tool in their life and how dare you how dare you accuse me of of being a, a, a a an overt tool honk yeah okay okay yeah you're not a tool honk don't go back and listen to any of our episodes and notice that we find a way to can we just do an episode on tool can we, can we yes do it we one? need to just do an episode on tool all right it will you can basically clip together previous conversations and form an episode <laughs> listen adam jones is is in all actuality he is one of the best guitarists of especially of the 90s What's outside it? of Tom Morello I don't think there's anybody doing anything as weird as different as unique as what Adam Jones was doing in Undertow in uh lateralis and enema it's not just that he's unique he's unique in the sense that he's about teamwork he's a team player he doesn't need to stand out and be nobody in 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 the band of tool feels the need to stand out and hang their dick out because they collectively hang out a big giant colossal dick like they form together a big monster like the fucking power rangers used to they are a motherfucking they are they are the voltron of music yeah 
and where where each one of those individual lions is probably strong enough to just be like big dick player but and what Adam Jones so that they can form a mega dick and that he blends in with the band without being masked you know what I mean so collectively they all make this sound they are all equal cogs in a powerful machine and that's I think that's what makes Adam Jones so unique is even guitar players that I love like like John Five the dude is so good that he went and did a bunch of solo albums to show you how good he is you know <laughs> yeah adam jones with adam jones's guitar work subtlety so does so not, it just doesn't fucking truly express what he's doing because he's he's more than just playing the rhythm or the 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 lead uh, uh, in when he's playing the guitar he's creating ambiance you know what i mean he's creating a a a kind of soundscape that fills out the edges of the sound because the Tool's sound really is fundamentally driven by the the orchestration of all four of them together. Not just, you know, uh, Danny Carey's drumming or Justin Chandler's bassists or, 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 you know, Maynard's singing. By the way, we need to talk more about Maynard's weirdness, but we will do a Tool episode. Yeah, we'll do a Tool episode. Hits, we got to do a Tool episode. We're going to. Yeah. But just I'm gonna do it. But another thing is, is like he, you know, earlier I talked about, especially in solos, you you got to be careful with the uh, the chaos versus theory. And I don't think there's a better example of any a guitar player in the world that mixes chaos with theory as well as Adam Jones does. Like, yes, and and a lot. And you know what? Go back and listen to Undertow. He's got solos in there that sneak in. Yeah, they take you from behind and you don't even know they're getting you and then the solo's over and you're like was that a solo did a solo just happen <laughs> what, what just happened what was that shit what just happened yeah i'm pretty sure i just got drive-by soloed i, I think i think i don't know in, in summary i think that like a lot of these guitar players that we have we've really discussed today and don't get me wrong it's not everybody for anybody listening to this be like, oh i can't believe you didn't bring up this guy get off of my ball yeah back. he didn't bring up that guy because that guy sucks I know. just your favorite guy yeah and if you have a problem with it feel free to send us a fucking email to advanced listening pod at yahoo yeah nicole yeah who are we, giving, are we fucking hate. never mind listen steve you dick dick I know you want me to talk about fucking Eddie Van Halen. I'm just not going to not going to do it. So you need to get back in the shallow end of the pool where you belong, Steve. Motherfucker. <laughs> you motherfucker. Don't make God damn it, Steven. Hey, Steve. This is advanced listening. I do need to repack this bowl. Do you? I do. Well, while you do that, I I, I, uh, I forgot that I wanted to something up earlier, and I fucking wrote it down, and I made sure to remind myself, and I still didn't remind myself. It is one of my fucking absolutely favoriteest, favoriteest, favoriteest cover songs. It is a cover song that you don't think you want until you get it, and then you know that you cannot live without it. It is... You know the song Aerials by System of Down? Yeah. 
This song has been covered. And it is covered by a band that you've seen live. I know this for a fact. Who? Do you know why I know this for a fact? You see, wait, real quick. I was going to jump all over your balls for bringing up this bullshit. We've already moved on. All right, get with the fucking program, right? I handed you Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Do you know why? But now I'm in. Do you know why I know you have seen this band? How you know know why? You know how I know for a fact you've seen this band? Tell me your words. Because I was standing right next to you when you watched them play for the first time. Aerials as covered by Amanamar. That sounds fucking intense. Can you find that online? Is that something we can add to the playlist? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you can. And and I, I uh, 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 may or may not be able to find it in our playlist on Spotify, Advanced Listening Season 1, you filthy heathens. <laughs> yeah, um, you made me that... Are we, gonna, can we, are we doing a concert story today? Yes, go ahead. Your, your last week one, um, it made me think about something. And if I hope I didn't already tell it because I smoked some weed since then, so I kind of forgot. But um, you were talking about how you got to end up hanging out with this dude because there was just like the peasants didn't understand what was going on around them. And by peasants, I mean not at all peasants, but really well-educated. You mean like absolutely peasants? Are smart. You mean you mean like absolutely fundamentally so a, a stinky stinkies a good example of stinkies being stinkies um one of my favorite bands mushroom head uh and i when i say one of my favorite bands i would honestly put this band in my top 10 favorite bands ever um but one of my favorite bands came to little rock mushroom head and they were playing uh at juanitas this is whenever i still lived in little rock and juanitas is a pretty well-known local venue where you know, you get small, intimate shows. And I was like, no fucking way, dude. Mushroom had this. So I freaked out and bought my ticket as soon as I could because I didn't want it to sell out and shit, right? I show, right. I show up at this show. I show up at this show. And there's like, <laughs> there's like 60 people there. Uh, it was kind of... Danger. It was danger. <laughs> Listen, I've been to many a festival where the first band played to like 15, 20 people at like noon <laughs> and they're all covered in gothic makeup and black clothes i'm just like this is by the, this is weird by the time mushroom head actually came on there might honestly like it was it, it had the attendance of like a local band it was it was i kind of felt bad for them but they put on one hell of a show it was a great show but the point of the concert story is after the show all these dickheads left right and so they go they went home i guess but mushroom head was not going home they were at the bar drinking shots of jaeger and so like me honest to god me and like six other people were smart enough to hang around and mushroom so there was more mushroom head than there was fans there's that's like Eight, nine, yeah, ten guys no, in that no, band. Sometimes there's twelve. There were more members of the band than there were people there drinking. No shit. That is just a joke. That's real. Um, <laughs> they were super fucking cool about it. And so the the sum of this is that night I got to hang out for. I'm not gonna overdo it. It might have been like thirty minutes or so. But I got to hang out with various members of Mushroom Head. Uh, a lot of them still had their masks on. And uh, awesome, awesome. free shots of Jaeger. I actually have a picture somewhere on my fucking Instagram somewhere of me with the uh, the the bass player of Mushroomhead uh, in his mask drinking Jaeger. Um, it, it was it was really cool. So that's that's like my my little concert story. I I think 
there should be a rule or and or regulation against certain bands playing in daytime. <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to go see some dark goth band like motionless and white and they're all painted up and they have their fucking black leather and white suits. It's, you know, I mean, it's a goth band. It's one in the afternoon. It's a sunny ass fucking day. And we're outside, and I'm just like, God damn it! Well, you know, everybody's wrong got, about this band not playing in the dark. Everybody's got to pay their pay, Everybody's got to pay their dues, man. We all got to get there. I've played some uh, really horrible some, midday. Some, sometimes we have to beat the second band on an all day festival and play at 9 a.m. Oh man, waking people up at a festival oh, is good. Man. Hey, so if you had to recommend something, if we were going to plant, like, an, if you had an earworm you wanted to fucking plant into somebody today, at the end of this episode, what's something you would you would recommend for them to go listen to? Um, I want to, I want to, I want to talk about a guy named Stevie Stone. Stevie Stone is not, is <laughs> not, I want to make this clear, that is not who Steve is. Steve, you motherfucker, you know who you are. You hey, hey, we're we'll talking about this. Cut your Achilles tendon. It's okay, buddy. Um, Think about the Stevie, Steve E. Stone is a, uh, he's a guy, he's a rapper from, uh, uh, from Strange Music, from Tech Nine's groove. Yeah. And, uh, goddamn, this dude is so fucking metal. He's just got this really gruff, metal voice. It's good. Okay. Really gangsta ass fucking music, man. And if I had to recommend a couple of songs, like "Get Fucked Up," is a great song. Uh, he's got a song called "Mosh." You know I make you wanna mosh. And okay. then uh, he's got a, a a song called Two Birds, One Stone." Get it? Two middle fingers, and his name is Stone, so it's Two Birds, One Stone." Get it? I, I, I got it. Get it? I got it. Stevie Stevie Stone. He is one of my favorite rappers. He is my—he's probably one of my 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 two, three favorite rappers that no one has ever heard of. All right, that the okay. other two would be Del the Funky Homo Sapien and and Kung Fu Vampire. I actually like Kung Fu Vampire. You, uh, I've heard of Kung Fu Vampire before, but you told me to listen to a couple tracks, and it's really fu- it's fun. It's cool music, dude. I really like it's it. Like weird and crazy. Yeah, and speaking of weird and crazy, what about if- you? If yeah, yeah. If that's... I were to uh, if I were to strap one of our listeners to a table and then slowly insert a device into his ear so that you may place an earworm into said device so that it may sink into the brains of our very thick-skulled listeners, what would you recommend? Assuming our listeners signed a consent form allowing me to do this. Well, that you... doesn't make it fun. You are a dark person. You you are I have no idea what you're talking about. I am sunny and light and frothy like a fucking Corona. I mean, no. Please don't like ever a, say like a Coors. Don't, don't ever say frothy to me again. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> not only am I light, but also frothy. I told you, God, we just talked about this. No, I would. You made me think about moist. Ugh. When we were when we were talking, <laughs> um, we brought up. Uh, Les Claypool's Have a Cigar. And honestly, I hate to go back to it, but if there was one thing that I could I, I could plant an earworm, I would get all of you because you either, hopefully a lot of our listeners either do like <laughs> or they like Pink Floyd or they like both. 
And I feel that if you hear Les Claypool's rendition of Have a Cigar, you would have a great amount of appreciation for it. I really do. I, I, I fucking super duper do. And like, yeah, you know where you can find that song is probably on the uh, Spotify playlist. I, I like that. You keep, you're really good at that. You know what I mean? I'm slick. Yeah. I'm yeah. Slick. You're dropping them in there. Just dropping them in there. Hey, so I what I, I what, slide it in. I slide it I, in when no one notices. So I, I, I'm like Superman in that way. I, I, I get my business done and I'm gone before you're like, did I just, did the fuck just happened? Superman's a rapist. Yes, he is. Oh, Garen, goddamn team. Listen, listen. Here's the thing about Superman, not to get completely off so- off topic real quick. No, let's do it. He's Superman, a piece of shit. If he's not raised, listen, shut up. If Superman isn't raised by the Kents, the most wonderful people on God's green earth, the most amazing, perfect humans ever, he is, without a doubt, a complete asshole. If, God forbid, Superman had landed in Detroit, motherfucker, we would all be living under the fucking dark hand of Superman's rule. Let me tell you if something. If I had Superman's powers, you guys would all suffer. Whenever you think about some of the darkest pieces of shit in the world, and by the way, I don't have a problem talking shit about Superman. He's a piece of garbage. We'll burn that son of a bitch down. I hate him. Okay, but hear me out. Um, if, if Superman's all kind and Clark Kent, right, right, he's all smiles and stuff like that. Man, so man, was, man, man. So Shut Wayne up, Gacy. Clark. So was John Wayne Gacy. So was Ted Bundy. These guys, these these were like great yeah. dudes. Yeah. You know what? Superman's oh, yeah. a fucked up individual, and we need to kill him as soon as listen, we can. Listen, nobody's that fucking virtuous and good. I don't buy it. I don't fucking buy it for a minute. You know that dude's out raping and murdering, and no one can catch him because he moves no faster one. than the eye can perceive. This motherfucker right here is the most prolific killer in the history of killers. Yeah, yeah. 85% of all cold cases across the world are due to Superman. And that's yeah, a fact. Yeah, that wasn't an earthquake. That wasn't an earthquake. That was just Superman fucking with people. You know that one plane? That fucking Air Thailand that just disappeared? No one knew what happened to it. Everybody's looking for it. Russians don't know. Chinese don't know. We don't fucking know. No one knows. Superman did that shit. Superman Superman did that shit. He took that plane and threw it at the sun just to watch those people burn. Hey, so next week, can we talk about our murder plan to kill Superman? No, fuck no, we cannot talk about what we're doing next week. If these heathens want to find out what we're doing next week, they need to follow us on Twitter. That's the only way. It's the only way. What we're if- not to give these motherfuckers a backdoor intro. Listen, listen. If you're fortunate enough to have enough government assistance to be able to go out and buy a computer, oh, follow us on Twitter at AdvancePod, and you can find out what we are doing next week. Well, For the rest on. of you, sorry sucks to be you. Go spend your money on soap. Yo, you're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This has been anyway. Is that it? This Are we done? Advanced listening. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I'm, I. I know. Yeah. We're probably done. Wait.